Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Things don't stay the same forever, and that's a good thing. Different states and territories will continue to roll out different ways to enable first home buyers to get into the market sooner. And for New South Wales at the moment, they are looking at different ways for first home buyers to get in above the already set stamp duty waiver free threshold. That's a mouthful. These types of state and territory grants are not new and both state and federal governments have been stimulating the economy and throwing cash at first home buyers for over 20 years. Many may see this stuff as virtue signalling to the electorate, particularly at a federal level, as many first home grants and programs might be capped at, say, 10,000 people, whereas others may see it as a legitimate help. I guess you could ask someone who has had benefit from these types of grants or schemes to see if it was a help or not. Wherever things may land in your state, one thing remains. You are the only one that has the power to spend less than what you earn, get out of debt, sacrifice the short term and save as much money as possible for buying your first home. And as you know, we can't do this podcast without our show partner, Tao. The connection between your financial, physical and mental health is greater than you may realise, which is why when Tao looks at health, they take a holistic approach because the balance of physical, mental and financial health is key to overall health and well-being. That's Tao, T-A-L, ensuring this Australian life. How can you best protect your family and future against the unexpected? What are the benefits of insuring your income? If something were to happen to you, do you have a plan in place? At TAL, they want all Australians to enjoy the freedom that comes with being financially healthy. And these are some of the questions that can be addressed to help you set strong financial foundations. To learn more, head to tal.com.au or if you are after a financial advisor to help with your foundations in relation to insurance, you can head to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help. And before we really rip into it, I'll see you guys at a capital city near you for our national tour. Tickets are still available in many cities. I'm Glenn James. You're listening to my Millennial Money. John Pigeon, My Millennial Property, we're talking stamp duty versus land tax. It was a recent announcement a few weeks ago in New South Wales to incentivise first home buyers to get into a property uh, with an alternate way to pay tax effectively. Do you want to maybe have some opening statements? I think it's important to note that we will keep high level, we'll keep conceptual because Realistically, this is only going to be relative to probably 3.5% of all (laughs) home buyers in New South Wales and particularly because we've got a national audience. I just wanted to zoom out, John, and and just talk conceptually about this and because often – I don't know. What's your opening statements? And then I'll tell you my opening statements. (laughs) Seems like a debate, doesn't it? Yeah, look – it's been coming for a while. They've been talking the momentum up to 
try and create a national system, which I think will maybe come or, or other states will adopt this New South Wales way of doing things. But um, I think basically what's happening is the cost of stamp duty is quite high on the way in. So they believe that it's stopping people from buying their home, whether that be a first home or subsequent home, um, because of that barrier and that cash savings ability. And so what they're saying is, well, you can have the choice of paying your stamp duty still or paying land tax. Now, what land tax is, that's always been around, but it's never been calculated on your principal place of residence. It's only for investors. So it's the value of the land, not the overall value of the property. And that's what you need to be clear on. The Office of State Revenue in your state will will give a, a land tax value and it'll be on your rates notice. And uh, that's what they'll use to calculate your land tax value. So, and we'll do an example soon, Glenn, which will um, outline the the pros and cons. But this option now, or an opt-in land tax for new new homeowners or first home buyers only at the minute, uh, by the New South Wales government, will basically come into effect. Um, it's up to one point five million dollars in property purchase. So anything over that doesn't apply. Uh, and the land tax amount will be $400 annually plus 0.3% of the land value, not the purchase value. So again, we'll go into an example as to what that might mean. But generally speaking, like housing growth, historically, there's three, I suppose, types of buyers that push the growth up or, or the property prices up. And the biggest one is the upsizes. So we're, we're upsizing to something bigger or, or better or location-wise or dwelling type. Um, then we've got investors that also help it out. And then at the bottom rung, we've got the first home buyers. And, and their concern was in the last 20 years, um, home, home ownership in Australia has dropped from 67% to 61% in, um, in the 20 years for people under 35. So they're saying, well, it's now not a fair system to allow first home buyers into the market. So let's create an incentive for them. I want to just, yeah, good comments and all that stuff. I want to just reiterate that particularly New South Wales, if you're purchasing your first home under 650,000 at the moment, you can still get the exemption anyway. So we're kind of saying that it is for those first home purchasers who are buying over six hundred fifty thousand, aka most people anyway. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I you know sure there's regional areas that you can still get some um, some pricing and you know probably the old apartment maybe. Um, yeah, I, I think in, it's in places. I, I don't think it'll make a dent at all. <laughs> to be honest, like it, they I my preferred method for first home buyers would be to raise that six fifty. Like, if we raised it to a million dollars which is now the norm in Sydney, would that change the outcome for first home buyers getting into the market? I think absolutely. But replacing one for the other, I mean, obviously for the government, they're not in it to lose money. So, but I think it's going to take a while to recoup if, um, if they do, if someone does choose land tax. My opening comments would be that I, look, I welcome any discussion or anything that can make it easier for people to buy the first property. Mm-hmm. Simple as yep. that. So I think for something to change, something has to change. And it's been the Premier in New South Wales, Dominic Perrottet, it was his kind of pet that he wanted as Treasurer. The previous 
Premier Gladys Berejiklian. She went, nah, go away, but now he's the boss. Uh, he's getting what he wants, and this is loosely paraphrasing from my observations. Um, I think, you know, stamp duty is probably okay back 50 years ago when homes were 100 grand. Like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, flick some dollars to the, the government. There you go. See you later. Uh, but I think it's a bit of a canary in the coal mine just to see how it lands in real world. And it is a good nod to first home buyers. Um, you talked about revenue hit uh, to the New South Wales government. You know, stamp duty is like, I think it's like a fourth of total revenue to the New South Wales government. Yep. And it's, it might be similar um, for other governments uh, around the nation, uh, except Western Australia, who probably is just all iron ore. Um, <laughs> but I, I really think if you look at a business case, longer term, if the government moved everyone from a stamp duty to a land tax, there's probably more money in it. Because you think as a, a business, right, you just think, remember like eight years ago when you bought the app and it was like $8 once off cost, there you go. Now it's $3 a month and they get you on the drip, yeah. right? So if you're on a monthly subscription for anything, usually it's more beneficial to the supplier. So I think long-term, it could be more, uh, and I'm not an economist or know anything about... Um, money when it comes to um, any type of federal or state budgets. But conceptually, longer term, it could be a winner. So I'm, I'm for it as an option. And I will say like, as part of this discussion today or any discussion that John and I have, if we say something and you, you don't agree with us or it's not in line with your ethical profile or whatever lens that you're listening through, that's actually healthy and okay. I, we are not the true north for money commentary in your life or in Australia. And if we are, we're in a lot of bloody trouble. <laughs> so it's healthy to not agree with us, but just don't get rage bait and like, think the world's ending and all this stuff. Like it's actually okay if you disagree and it's healthy as part of a being a grown up and yep. civil discussion. Absolutely. Um, so based on that, I actually think if you're a first home buyer and this is an option for you and you're buying over that threshold of $650,000, I think it's a no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. What do you think, John? I actually agree, but the number or the percentage that actually take this up I think will be small purely because of property prices in Sydney, which is majority of New South Wales population. So let's go to an example. Yeah, and I, I just thought I would add, I, I don't know if I, I think I may have said it in my opening comments, but it is a bit of a canary in the coal mine because- Often, you know, there has to be leadership with anything. And if I can take a quick tangent as an example, um, this whole climate change thing and the contribution that Australia has to global greenhouse gases is barely a drop in the ocean. 
But there has to come a time where it's like leadership and we're going to do this because what happens is other people can look to you and go, well, they did it, so why can't we? And that's the same as Australia might look at other smaller countries who have had social policies or educational policies or anything like that that have worked in their countries or cities. So it's, yeah, all I'm saying is other states might be looking at how it works out in New South Wales. And that's why I wanted to more discuss broadly, John, the concepts um, of this once-off cost because it may move into all properties. I think they, they're they not going to knock on your door tomorrow and say, you've owned this house for like, or I've moved into uh, in Meriwether Heights, the lady next door, she's lived there 50 years. They're not going to knock on her door and be like, oh, hey, by the way, next year you're paying us three grand a year. Like, they're not going to do that. This is going to be a, a systemic generational change in policy that's not going to happen overnight if it happens at all. So Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I think the key part of what they've mentioned, and just for everyone's sake, it hasn't actually come out yet. So there's no uh, report or re- to say this is exactly how it's going to work. But they've mentioned that the property's not locked in when the ownership changes. So you get the ability to actually choose again when you buy it off someone else who's maybe chosen land tax. You might be able to – you can choose to say, well, I'm paying stamp duty. So that's an interesting one because the lead up to this was – quite the reverse. It, it was going to be locked in and maybe that may be different for um, other states if they adopt it. But that's uh, that's a bit of a game changer, that one. Yeah. So show us an example because I think there were some comments in the Facebook group and they were like, this is a bad deal <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff, Trump, Chapter 7, Art of the Deal, all that kind of um, stuff. But there's some miscommunication. So John, if I purchased a home for $800,000, it's not 0.3% of the $800,000. No. Forevermore, amen. No, it's not. So have you got an example for us? Yeah, so if we're buying an 800K property in New South Wales, uh, normally we would be paying $31,500-ish in stamp duty. Which is such a lot of money. And it's worse in Victoria. So for the Victorians listening... You want this to be adopted for you as a first home buyer as quick as possible. Um, and I know you're going to an election later in the year, so nothing will probably be done between now and then. But uh, I think, yeah, 31500 you have to come up with over and above your deposit to get in as, as that we uh, see it today. If you choose the land tax option, you no longer have to pay that 31500 uh, What you will pay is $400 a year, plus 0.3% of the land value. So just to make our uh, our numbers easy, we'll just cut it down the middle and say $400,000 is the land value on this 800K purchase. Uh, 400,000 times 0.3 is uh, 1,200 plus your 400 is 1,600. So that's going to take 20 years of 1,600 a year before we get to that 31,500. Now, there's obviously some variations in all this because land value generally increases each year. So if it rises to 600K, then we're up for 2,200 a year. So now that's 14 years instead of 20 years to get back to that 31,500. So you're right, conceptually, the land tax option is a financially better outcome 
for someone that's going to hold that property for anything less than 14 years in that example. That's right. And I will say like, you know, it's really hard. Like when I was doing financial advice, I wouldn't do any financial projections more than like four to five years because I just wanted to illustrate, look, if we do these type of strategies, these are the tax impacts immediately in the next three to four years because, yeah, it's cute that we can run a scenario for 20 years and it just looks all perfect. But we know that in real life, we have a thing called reality and real life and things happen. So I think it's it's too simplistic to just put you know, $31,000 divided by $1,600. But I think you're right there. If you're like, okay, well, this is a serious option. If I I don't have like broad intentions of um, being in the property forever, mm. if I don't... And I was actually thinking as well like that, sure, if the land tax ballooned to $2,000 a year in three years time, for example, right? If you're still on the same salary in three years, well, there's might be a bigger like, issue as well. Your first home buyer means you might be younger, you're growing in your career, there might be more money coming in. So I, I just think it's actually no brainer if it's an option for you to do. Uh, and the good thing is, John, we know, and we're going to the second half of this episode, we're talking about townhouses and uh, buying those to live in because there was some good fodder in the Facebook group around that. A lot of first homeowners might buy and be out of there within seven years anyway because they've started a family or they want to get the three dogs and eight kittens and all that stuff. So it's really going to be easier to transition to the next property up without another impost of $30,000. Yeah, uh, just for me, we mentioned the 650 threshold in in New South Wales as first home buyers, we don't need to pay the stamp duty. There's really this, so from 651,000 to about a million. We don't see too many first home buyers buying their first home that costs over a million dollars, I don't think. Well, not that I speak to anyway. So we've got this small window of 650 to a million where we say, yep, we're going to choose the land tax option and live in it for the next five, 10 years before we upsize. We're still going to be financially better off. Um, I think it's a really small percentage of what the property purchases will be in New South Wales. Um, to your point about the revenue, in 2021, stamp duty made up 25% of New South Wales' uh, whole revenue. Was it? So yeah. Yeah. One, one in four dollars basically, which is a, a big amount to play catch up on, isn't it, over the next mm. 15, 20 years. So it really is a long-term effect. Um, but the other point is if we're in Vic, and, uh, and I mentioned Vic because it's got the highest stamp duty percentage in the country, uh, you'd be paying 45000 in stamp duty on that 800k purchase, not thirty five, uh, not thirty one. Mm. sorry. So it's it's a big difference, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, it's a good discussion. Again, you know, there could be a new government next year in New South Wales and uh, the, I saw a quote by Chris Minns saying, well, if you want to f- help first home buyers, why don't you just make the scheme more open without introducing a new tax and complexities? And he's right, but also I think um, the Liberal Party's right as well to say, well, structurally something has to change. I think everyone's right. It's just a matter of, you know, as a society, what do we agree on? 
and what's the better outcome. But I, I just think, you know, if you are, you know, outskirts of um, Sydney or maybe around Newcastle here, hello everyone. Yeah, it's good to be in Newcastle. Love it. I'm enjoying uh, Convoy Commune. I'm enjoying Tallulah. Some great little cafes. Also like Mockingbird on Beaumont Street in Hamilton. <laughs> Shout out. But yeah, if you are, there's a bit of a tangent. You've been, you've but if been you are ever in, since you moved there as far as I can yeah, tell. Yeah, I have actually. So everyone's like, oh, have you, um, how's the move going? I'm like, well, I moved in, spent a week painting <laughs> and getting Blue Bay ready. Then I got sick. Then I had my wrist surgery and I slept in till 10.30 day because I'm still sick. But yeah, other than that, it's great, guys. Um, yeah, so what you were going to say is regional will benefit. It, regional will benefit, outskirts of Sydney will benefit, the gong. I just think it's a no-brainer and gets you into that home sooner because the older I get, the more I realise life is more about the money and if it means I can... <laughs> he's smiling at. If, if it means I can buy a home and call it home and make it mine and do all that, well, sure, I'll just cash flow some uh, some land tax for the first few years. Um, there could be an argument if you don't have a spare 1600 to two grand a year, you shouldn't be buying a home anyway. That could be an argument, not sure. Probably won't be making it uh, because of the rage that you'll all tell me. Um, but yeah, I, I just think let's let's see where it lands. But just on any final closing thoughts on the stamp duty land tax thing? No, not really. I, I just think, yeah, it'll it'll play out. We'll get the rules and regs on on what it can and can't do for us. Um, but I, I'm I'm waiting for that next piece of what does it mean for everyone else that's not just the first home buyer. Um, mm. What does it mean for the upsize or what does it mean for the investor? Um, it'll uh, it'll it'll all play out, won't it? Yeah, but but that that hasn't even been on the lips of anyone talking about it in this, I guess, next term of government or in the immediate future about this being a, a broader structural change. I think the discussion needs to be had because if I already own a home, well, what if I want to move? Well, I don't... Oh, it's going to cost us 30 grand to move and upsize or, you know, if... If there's a downsizer, oh, that could be 30 grand or 40 grand of capital that we've got to pay. Like it's just, sure, if you're downsizing from a $2 million property to $1 million property, shut up. You can afford 30 grand stamp duty, which is fine. It's all well and good to be brash like that, but it's the emotional impediment yeah. that people, because if you are a pensioner, oh, that's a year's worth of my income. So that's the dance, right? So factually, if I'm downsizing from two million to eight hundred to or one million, shut up. You can pay thirty grand in stamp, stamp duty. You've got the money. Yeah, that's the fact. But it's the emotional impediment that oh, that's going to cost me a year of income if I do that. Yeah, that that's right. And I, I think that there's a supply demand issue in Australia right now that's not going to go away anytime soon and who's going to contribute to the to the demand well it's first home buyers and it's investors so i think if 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 there's new houses built for example a uh, upsizers may be going to buy it but they're only trading one for one aren't they 
So it's really, okay, investors can buy more property, first home buyers can buy their first property. So that's helping with the demand. So that, that's, that side of the coin needs to definitely be addressed. Canberra's had this transition from stamp duty to land tax for the last 20 years and it's got another 100 years to go before it fully plays out. Like, I don't know if it's worked or not worked. I think everyone's confused in Canberra at the minute. Or ACT, should I say. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's our commentary on it. Okay, we're going to have a break, but we'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, it's that time again. We ask you, the My Millennial Money community, it's you guys who run this show. We just facilitate it. It's your show. We just get all the money that it makes. <laughs> Glenn does. <laughs> Shut up, you get some. Um, <laughs> what's a practical thing that you've done with your money in the last 12 months that brought about encouraging results? So, I love reading these because this is what it's all about. The Facebook group, it gets chatty in there. And thanks everyone for being polite in the Facebook group. Thanks everyone for uh, not just coming in and spamming us with crypto schemes and all that. It's rare that people report posts because I've spent a lot of time 
creating the culture of that group that we've got a zero tolerance policy to like people advertising their own stuff uh, and just except for you and just I want to keep it except for us that's right uh, we reserve the right to advertise stuff to make money to keep this thing going uh, but yeah I just want to say thanks everyone if in doubt read the rules if you do have a post that has been removed um, there's a reason why don't take it personally also if you are wondering why your anonymous post hasn't been approved it's not you it's us we get hundreds of those every day and we don't allow all of them we might only put one or two through a day because we don't want the group to be an anonymous back room where it's got no soul uh so the most and you know there's other facebook groups where they moderate every post like you've got to apply for every post we've got a free posting rule so Best way to get you post up there is to just post it in your name and that's not moderated. Okay, so the last 12 months that's brought about encouraging results. Have you got any there that you can see, John? Jay Saini, uh, regular listener, invested in real estate. Ha ha. Well, has produced a reasonable result in most cases, hasn't it? Rachel Connard stopped buying new clothes, except boring stuff like underwear, socks, innerwear, and going to op shops when I need a shopping fix. Alan. Yeah, that's good. I I don't think we always need to buy new clothes. No, you don't. Tanika Judge, prioritise debt, which now makes us totally debt free, except mortgage feels good. Alan Guy, I've been more deliberate about using the Honey browser extension and looking into the member benefits offered by my private health and car insurance provided. Yeah, and, and he was saying it's, it's basically, it's, He's not a millionaire overnight, but it's just it's the little things that we can control. Yeah. So that's really cool. Speaking of little things, Ashley Mowell, I haven't used Afterpay or anything like that since 2020. The last 12 months have been tempting, but I never gave in. You. This is what we're all about, Ashley. Vicky Profit. Given up smoking and invested half the money into raise each week. The other half is being saved as an emergency fund. That's awesome. Look at that. Like that cigarette cost, they're like $55 a packet or something, aren't they, John? I, I, so I, how wouldn't, many you, I wouldn't know. How many are you doing a week now? A carton? I wouldn't. Yeah, so John's paying like 500 bucks a week in ciggies. She's making um, a tidy profit. Gabe Weber, stop going to car dealerships and looking at upgrading the car. Realised we are good at the moment. That's a big thing as well, isn't it? We get bored sometimes and we think, oh, maybe a new car would help my boredom and make me feel a bit nicer. Yeah. But your, your car's fine in most of the time, most of the instances, everyone. This is a really good one from Jess Huxley. Had an emergency fund, thank God. Just spent three months off work without paying for a knee reconstruction. Had no leave due to original injury. Didn't lose my house. How good is that? Yeah, it's awesome. Knee reconstruction. Ouch. Well, not that part, but the emergency is solid. Totally. Rachel Henschke finally got our life, trauma, and TBD insurances after listening to Glenn's episode with Phil Thompson. Highly recommend Phil and his team. Awesome peace of mind. That's so good. And I will actually really, really encourage you if you're listening and you've that's John's phone vibrating again. <laughs> Flipping hell, I'm going to shove it up your phone socket. Sorry, mate. Um, Sorry for running the business. That's right. That's right. 
I want to just encourage everyone, if you've got a young family, you've got young kids and you don't have death cover, please, please sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help. I will introduce you to Phil at Sky Wealth or someone that suits your situation. Please get at least death cover, you tight ass. Look after your family. <laughs> Absolutely. And I say this because yesterday I was at a funeral for a 46-year-old father of three. Wow. Shouldn't have happened. Now, thankfully, I set up the death policies and the family's going to be fine financially. Mm. Could you imagine if one of you died prematurely today and you had three kids and you had a mortgage and you had expenses? The bills don't stop. AGL don't come and say, oh, sorry, you died. We're going to stop charging you electricity now. Like it doesn't happen. And this is what it's all about. You just have to at least get death cover to look after the people you love. And it's tenfold when in that example that happens because kids aren't old enough to look after themselves and someone still has to work, which uh, means you need a yep. extra yep. person. So the surviving spouse can stay at home and be a good parent. Anyway, I just get so enraged um, when people do not get some basic death cover because they're tight. Well, say that when, you know, you're dead and you've left your family behind because you're a tight ass. Like, anyway. Amanda Musket finally forked out the money to see a psychiatrist for an official ADHD diagnosis. This will save, make me money in the long run, being able to reach my full potential. Thank you for, uh, I suppose, coming forward and admitting that as well. That's a big mm. step as, uh, as well, isn't it? Catherine Mack, being flexible with my budget, seeing my budget as a living document and updating it regularly matched with my needs and wants happening in life. Yeah, that's right. Like our finances are, they're agile, they're moving. Nothing's ever fixed in stone and you need to make sure your budget is living. John, let's do two more then we can move on. Melanie Brooks, cash flow accepting I had an issue and now I've paid off 21000 of debt. Uh, a lot of it came down to being frank with myself but also automating everything and every having every dollar do a job. So good to have Frank in your life. Gabe Weber. Is that a second Weber? Oh, no, Gabe. Gabe's put a couple of posts here in this post. I'm like, I'm just reading them. I'm like, Gabe Weber. Oldest child started private high school this year, eight grand a year. Have been saving ahead for a while. Not, no stressing having to come up with it now. Yeah, there you go, Gabe. Good on you. And Gabe, you better have bloody life insurance or I'll come over there and tell you myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was I a bit rude in that segment? Don't know. The listeners will tell us. Yeah, they will. And so they should. There's just nothing more real in life than going to a funeral of somebody who has died prematurely. Yeah. I don't know. If you can tell me what is, I'll I'll listen. But to me, it was just a, um, a real wake-up call to me. And particularly because I set up the policies, it was just that, um, wow, this is why 
this is why I did that. Like, mm. and I, I think it's just a humbling experience. Yeah, being raw professionally, yeah. being raw for you, obviously mm. uh, exemplifies the moment, doesn't it? But mm. yeah, it's pretty important, and I don't think I actually realised how important it was until I started having kids. Mm. Mm. All right, Nathan, take us out of this segment. So there was some good chatter in the Facebook group uh, from Amy Lipscomb. She said, hi, everyone. Thoughts on townhouses, pros and cons. We are first home buyers, not looking to spend too crazy on a first home. So, John, I wanted to first and foremost just talk about townhouses. And there's a lot of chatter in the Facebook group about this. You know, as the cost of property increases and everyone wants to live near the beach or close to the city, I think townhouses are probably more, I don't know, everywhere and more popular than they were 30 years ago. I don't know. I was only a child 30 years ago, but um, you were a fully grown man. (laughs) So 15, mate. Still growing up. Um, yeah, look, it's, it is a good topic and it's interesting at the moment um, because housing prices have, have just escalated in the last few years, haven't they? So mm. no longer can we just roll straight into a house in a lot of cases in an area where we want to live. So what's the next best option? Well, if you want to live in your own home, then we've got to go to something cheaper, which invariably is a townhouse or a, or a unit or apartment. But in a lot of cases, a brand new townhouse, usually townhouses are two-storey, usually, not always. Um, if that's the case and they're brand new, the, the actual dwelling size is sometimes bigger than a house, right? Um, but the land component's smaller so the outlay, the price to buy in may be actually similar to buying an older house on a, on a bigger block. So that's, that's the, the opening statement from me, I suppose, is, is uh, are you using it to buy in a nice area or are you you're buying a townhouse to, to live in a nice house where there's, everything's reasonably new? Um, is it a short-term alternative to then upsize to our our big family home with a backyard or we do we want a townhouse for the rest of our life because we're not having kids we don't have pets etc etc plenty of things to look at and there's a lot of comments in there isn't there and and there's no right or wrong but financially there's there is a um, history to show what what is going to be the better outcome but a lot of it has to be lifestyle related decision making as well yeah i think particularly around townhouses, it's almost that if you if you want to quote-unquote rent invest, right, because you can't afford to live where you want to live, so it might be a premium suburb and you can't afford to buy there, well, you might go, okay, well, I can't afford a freehold property, but can I afford a townhouse? That's kind of the, the next lower thing as a bit of a lifestyle play because, I mean, I can share the story around my townhouse purchase but just for those uh as a you made me think of this john when for those wondering about you know double story homes and the costs and all that you know out where uh rachel from spear home loan lives yes you know i reckon you bring that up once a month 
Pretty much because it's just I'm so want to live out there in a nice property. But next time you drive through there, there's a huge property and they got this like double story McMansion on it. And I was driving through there with Dirty Mike once and I'm like, bloody, you got the nicest estate there and they've built this McMansion double story thing. Why wouldn't you do this big thing? And he's like, it's cheaper to build a double story. You've got half the concrete in the slab and half the roof. Yes. So, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a point. So that's kind of, I just, just that lateral thinking that I didn't realize rather than building the big kind of single level, you know, two wing kind of, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's often why um, double stories and townhouses, not only a, a space related thing, but a cost thing. Yeah. But, well, and just, just before we move on to something, I, I think the, the key in think thinking, well, if I am upsizing, what's my resale going to be like? Um, and we've built townhouses in the past to to live in or and to invest. And the key mistake that we made with our first one was for a two story townhouse, it didn't have a bedroom down on the bottom level, um, but the land component made sense to maximise it by having two two-storey townhouses on it, right? But double garage, no living down, uh, no bedroom downstairs for the elderly that don't have to or want to get upstairs. So that's, yeah, there's mm. there's little components like that that come into play, whether it's single level or, or double storey. Yeah, so I, I've, I own two townhouses and the f- first one that I purchased at, uh, Blue Bay, I bought that brand new and it was kind of weird. Like Blue Bay, when I was younger, I was like, oh, it's my dream suburb. I'd love to live there one day, you know, probably when I'm like 65 and got the money to afford to move in there and all that stuff. And I, I kind of, long story short, f- stumbled over this townhouse and managed to buy it new and yeah, it was just really amazing, right place, right time, right suburb and all that. And for me with townhouses, the one that I've got, well, both of the townhouses that I own, they're at the rear of the block. So that was important to me because I didn't want cars going past my window. Um, That was just one thing. Both of the townhouses I've got, they're at Uh, they've got external access to the backyard. Now, the other ones on both lots don't. So You have to go through the house to get to the backyard. You've got to go through the house, yeah, which is annoying if you wanted to own a mower or whatever or I don't know. It was just more just like if I have a big party, I could just open the back gate and people can just come in and like it's all good. Ten people in the backyard and have a party. That's yeah. right. No, I think I've had 40 people there before. All right. So question uh, before you go on. Mm. Way back when when you bought that Blue Bay townhouse, mm. brand new or close enough to, mm. what would you have, what you could have bought as an old house on a bigger block and compare the values oh, today? Yeah, I reckon there was probably another – well, no, I paid I think five – 40 for it. Right. And I reckon freehold at the time was closer to eight. Right. Even an old crappy. Yeah. Shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But I think it's just been valued for maybe a million. Yeah. And 
I don't know what a freehold's worth in that area now. Mm, One close, eight, or yeah, something. close to two. Yeah. Yep. So and so for me, when I was buying it, I knew that it wasn't forever, and that, and I just hope my story here just encourages other people uh, thinking around townhouses if it's going to be for you or not. I knew that it wasn't going to be forever. I set up the mortgage uh, that was an offset, principal and interest with an offset account. I didn't pay any money into that mortgage uh, more than the minimum monthly amount. So I just have money sitting on my offset account. My offset account is my cash hub as part of the Glen James spending plan. So I, I really just, I knew that it was going to be some type of stepping stone because it was effectively what, two streets back from the beach. I knew that I would never sell it. Yeah. Like I've just, I've got no reason to ever sell it. There's bugger all mortgage on it. It's just, yeah, I'm just never selling it. It's, mm. it's what, it's still in good condition, new and got good rental yield now. Um, so I think for Amy and her question, um, mm. she doesn't want to spend too crazy in her words on her first home. So mm. going back to your situation, well, that's the 500 to 800 story, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, and it was more for me starting my business at the time when I did purchase it it was more the lifestyle play where I'm going to be head down in the trenches building this business. I, I, and my personality and my mental health was probably worse than, um, in fact, I don't think I was medicated when I bought that house. Like I needed that security that I wasn't going to have be evicted. I wasn't going to have to get moved. Oh, you got two months to move house or three months. Like for me, it was hugely lifestyle. Like I needed that certainty. Yeah. Where now, fast forward, I'm renting again and I will do an episode in the coming weeks about the whole rent besting journey. But so yeah, the shoe really did fit. And it's like anything when when it comes to purchasing our home to live in, like forget what everyone else flippin' says to you. Like, sure, if they say, oh, did you know that that house, you know, it's actually... Um, it's half burnt down, so don't buy it. Or you might go, oh, you're right. What am I doing? But if someone's like, you should do this because it's their experience or no, you shouldn't do that because we bought a full normal house and you shouldn't buy a townhouse, we'll tell them to get stuffed because it's your lifestyle decision, right? Yeah. But I think we're going to talk about some pros and cons here, but it's so important to really understand going in all of these ramifications and going in thinking that I won't be able to have everything perfect, so I have to choose my battles. No, that's right. I've actually been doing a lot of clarity calls on this exact subject of, well, should I buy a townhouse or buy a freestanding house further out for the long term for my first home, um, regardless of whether I'm in first homeowner concession, stamp duty concession uh, category or not. So, yeah, it's... Um, you're right, it's it's personal situation, but it's also understanding not to listen to the noise, isn't it? So much noise mm. out there. And I think, John, this conversation is more for the people wanting to buy a townhome to live in as opposed to investment. That's right. Because there's just, you know, if you want to chat to John about investing and all that for your own personal situation, do a clarity call with him um, because it is just so, so many different moving parts. Like one of the first clients I had in 2010 owned a townhouse in just outside of Brisbane 
And for the 10 years that they were clients, it was worth less than what they paid for it. So just because it's capital city, just because it's a townhouse, doesn't mean squat. And that's why, you know, I just want to have this conversation about to live in. Yeah, but but I think... The conversations I'm having, they are a lot of first home buyers going to live in it, but then they're going to turn it into an investment. So they're sort of making a non-emotional financial decision now. Um, I'm yep. not too fussed as to what I live in, but I just want to get into the market and then propel to, to something bigger. Yeah. One of the cons for me with townhouses and... I wouldn't personally buy one to live in myself would be in a complex that probably has over four or six of them. Only because the driveways are so small. Um, you know, the one that uh, at Blue Bay, there's only three in the complex all down one side. It's easy. Yeah. They're both, you know, the front two are owner occupiers. This like not going anywhere. So there's not a lot of movement. They're just... That was a non-starter for me. I'm not living in a complex yeah. that, and and for some people that doesn't bother you. So just work out what bothers you with where you want to live. But I think it's what bother, bothers you, and and also the implications that come with more in a in in a complex. So if you had mm. ten or twelve in there, you've got essentially a, a large community area that's shared, haven't you? Like that driveway mm. shared. So that's the difference between freestanding and and townhouses. You've got that driveway, the the common areas that that are all shared and the more people Mm. that share them, the more potential, um, what would you say, complications may arise. Yeah, but you just get storming the teacup crap and, you know, one of the – there's a comments like, oh, buy Torrance title because you don't have to pay strata. Well, just on the Torrance title, it's not part of the strata plan, but this whole paying strata thing, you actually still, quote unquote, pay strata when you got a Torrance title, don't you, John? Well, you do, but you're the sole decision maker in the Torrance title. That's right. But the cost, like you've still got to pay for your building insurance. You've still got to pay for external maintenance. Yeah. You've still got to pay for cleaning of your own driveway if you want that clean. So the, the costs are going to be there. And that was kind of one of the in terms of I wrote down the strata on the cons list, if it's too big, it's going to be too annoying because you've got strata committee, you've got bloody storm in a teacup, all these big issues that aren't actually issues for people that have got a freaking life and, you know, all that stuff. But the other side, and and the good thing is when it is big, it's a formal strata plan. There's usually a third-party company that's doing the books and the meetings and all that. The other side... When it's too small, that can also have risks. So, for example, the three three are at Blue Bay that I own, we don't have a formal strata manager. No. Like, it's just us. Insurance comes up. Hey, ladies, insurance has come through. You guys happy with this? Yep, and we pay it. Mm. We've just had the driveway resealed and painted. I think that was six grand. Each? Yep. No, no. Between the three. Bloody should have... Yeah, well, that, and this is, and, well, actually, let's go there. So it was six grand for the three of us. So we all had to cough up two grand. Now, what if one of the people don't have two grand? And where it's the other two, so there's three of us, what if two of us agree on it? One of them don't have the money. 
what do you do? Yeah, it's um, that's why there's so many fence disputes around the country, isn't it? It's like, well, we need the fence yep. replaced. One can pay for it, the other can't, but there's an obligation for both too. So this was the – and this was the other little risk with it, and this is the dance. The driveway, it had that rough kind of coating on the concrete. So that's all flicked up and, you know, got chatty and whatnot. So we got a quote – I think it was like $16,000 to totally come in, remove that seal, get the concrete back to bare concrete and then re-spray the rough crap on it wow. and then repaint it and all that stuff. It's like 16 grand. That's, that's a blue bay tax for sure. Well, but then we got this other quote for six grand just to repaint it and seal it, quote unquote. And you've seen it, it looks great. But it's starting to flick again and there's our parts that we can now see the concrete again. So we've got to get the guy to come back and go, well, you said it would seal it and it hasn't. Yeah. Um, so there's some, there can be some annoyances with that. But, but that could happen in a normal driveway as well, but it just it's you to pay for it and you to make the decision on, isn't it? That's right. And if there was a larger body corporate with a formalised structure and we're all contributing $400 um, a quarter to the sinking fund for long-term maintenance, cost usually isn't an issue. And if someone is behind, there's mechanisms to formally chase them. Yeah, and I, and I suppose there's there's financial and there's lifestyle, right? I, I want yeah. a bedroom downstairs or I want a double garage or I want a gate access to the backyard. Uh, but then there's financial, which one's going to give me better growth? A block, a house, an old house on a bigger block, freestanding Torrance title or a strata tile townhouse. Now, history would say that it's probably going to be that house on a on a free Torrance title, but um yeah, it's not always possible because of finances, but I think um, the 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 so many pros and cons of of making the decision. But one of the big ones, if if you're going to a unit or apartment, you're going to have other complications that are far greater than a townhouse. Like yeah, and you you go if you're going to have a complex of say. 15 or 20 and it's and it's high rise or, or medium rise, you're going to have to have a lift, right? Now that needs maintenance. Um, mm. You're going to have a lot. But you've got, the, you've got the scale there of owners that are putting the money in. Like it's all scalable. Right? Should be as well. But the strata costs can be way too high for what they should be. So you need that as a as a due diligence check, and we're not talking about units and apartments, but sort mm. of comparing. Uh, we need to understand if there is any strata or community title, and what does that mean for you as the owner? Because on the way in, come auction day, you can be just looking at the contract. Yep, all good, um, and you might not have been uh, told by your conveyancer that that this is going on. I've got the funniest story and maybe if we get time for an after party. So much for like deciding that, oh, we'll keep Tuesday episodes to 35 minutes, but most people want them under an hour. So. <laughs> um, got the funniest story from a strata meeting with that other unit complex that I bought. But back to the cons, because we can talk about the pros, but these are the things like you, your wall in your bedroom 
may be, sure it could be double brick and fire to the roof and all that stuff to the tile line or the tin line but you're sharing a wall with another person you drill through to their bedroom so yeah it could be double brick but i knew someone once and their bedroom was opposite well their bed laid up against the bed that was two <laughs> double bricks go and hearing someone banging <laughs> 25.8, I'm sure they were having a good time, but that's not conducive to reading a nice book in bed or, Meditating. you know, the after work little bang bang. Um, <laughs> so it's, oh. you know, your na- neighbours. and the after party being, or the main set? <laughs> I don't know if it's a party. Um, I just said bang bang, but whatever. We're all animals. Um, so, so. Yeah. Yeah, but like, and so the neighbors thing is a big issue, um, you know. And weirdly, like moving here because I I'm now in a freehold big big house. It was kind of, you know, every couple of days I'd see um, Ede next door, and she's in her eighties, and you know she basically downsized to there, and you know she's healthier and fitter and got more friends than I do. She'll outlive me, but. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Like I'm like, oh, I don't say hi to my no. neighbour every couple of days anymore. Yeah, so some oh, people like that, that, don't they? Yeah, it's just I just noticed it yesterday. I'm like, oh, it's kind of weird. And but but on the flip side of that, what if your neighbour didn't respect social norms like you did, like loud music at two a.m., yeah. like. Harley Davidson's revving at 10 p.m. in their little garage, but but unless you're on acreage, I, I think you can cop that either way with townhouse or freestanding. You can, but it's it's just more in your face if you've got a townhouse Probably. in a complex. But Louise mentioned here, it's a pretty good point. Depends on what you want in life. She I seriously think Australia as a whole needs to evaluate the great Australian dream of a standalone house. So many freestanding houses are built to within centimeters of the boundary with minimal yard. So. That's a really good point. Um, the difference being is that you've got your driveway that's ex- exclusive to you. Even though you are centimeters away from the next home, you've got your mm. own driveway. So I think if you if you had a, t- a, t- a townhouse complex that was on a corner, for example, you could have your exclusive driveway. You've got your s- small courtyard. And then the other townhouse is facing onto the other street. Like that's a great outcome. So as part of the national tour for investors, I forgot to kind of add this in, you're doing an advanced property investor masterclass. Yes. So mymillennial.money forward slash tour, you can get tickets. They're 350 or 349, so under 350, literal. Um, Or if you want to bring your spouse or partner, there's a discount for the two of you. You're going to talk about these mini developments for investors and it could scratch the itch. And this is why we can't go down the investment rabbit hole and talk about your own personal situation because it's also different. You could build a duplex yourself on a corner block, have your own driveway and have the rental out the back. So is this the crap that you'll be covering at the Advanced Property Investor Masterclass? 100%. It's not crap, by the way, but that's what I will be discussing. Yeah. So yeah, talking about best financial outcome with the money you've got to spend from a development point of view. 
it's a bit of a cake and eat it too scenario, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and it works so well. Look, as, as, and just to finish on that, that's a mm. great upsizer example is, well, I can start with that and then build to something greater because I've maybe made some growth on that development. Mm. One of the interesting things with, and we'll move on to the pros because the cons, you know, we've talked about the strata and too big's annoying, too small, there might be some risks. You don't have a freehold. The neighbours could suck and you don't have any access to your backyard. And I think, you know, there's probably in that strata thing, the risks and financial and, you know, navigating all that. Are there any other cons or downsides to townhome living that you can see, John? Or I think it's, I think it's really the layout. You, you go and buy yeah. something and, and people, I think people in the comments section spoke a lot about layout, make sure you've got the right layout. Well, what is the right layout um, for now versus when I have kids? And, and I think mm. it's the big squeeze of, well, I started off with a unit then I got a partner and a dog, so now I need a townhouse. Um, now we're going to have kids, so now the townhouse is too small. Now we need to upgrade to a home. Can I afford it in the same area? No, so I have to go out a suburb or two, um, and the journey continues, and that's why that upsizing is so popular. But mm. the, the layout is is lifestyle-wise, but it's also financial as well because once a townhouse is built, conceptually you can't change it. There's not too much that can be changed, especially if it's two-storey. Um, yeah, every wall's load-bearing. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and you've got a limited amount of land. So what's been built is basically it. You you can only make mm. cosmetic improvements. Just on, I guess, the just kind of tacking in pseudo-investment play, but the second townhouse that I did, uh, did buy, um, no intention to ever live in it, I did buy that brand new, and a lot of times people say, oh, you don't make money on investments buying them brand new and you don't make money on townhouses buying them as an investment. I mean, it's done very well. Um, there's only two in the complex. They're both pretty big. Um, the I bought the rear one. It's got external driveway access to the backyard. It's got the master bedroom and an ensuite on the ground floor. Uh, upstairs is a bedroom and uh, two bedrooms and a, a co- like a lounge room area. Like it's actually a really big property and it's done very well. So I don't think we can make blanket statements ever that you don't make any money out of townhouses as an investment or even to buy and live in because you make the money at the buy and, you know, if you bought at the top of a market in your city... Well, sure, it might go backwards or sideways, but the house next door might go sideways as well. Yeah, I I think the key component... Cold showers needed sometimes. Yeah, it refreshes the mind, doesn't it, cold shower? But I think it needs to be noted that generally the townhouse does have some exclusive land to it, whereas a a unit or apartment, you might be on top of someone else uh, and, and the land you, you really can't see, touch or feel. So that's where the value is in the townhouse purchase from a financial perspective. And, and Jane Davidson mentioned in the comments, we opted to go small first and bought a townhouse at the end of 2016, October last year, used to manage to use the equity to buy our forever much bigger home. We're now about to sell the townhouse and make double what we paid. So clearly there's money to be made there 
Um, if they had bought a home at the same time, interesting to see what the outcome is now. But look, doubling your money is a pretty good outcome, isn't it? Yeah. And Misty Lee Holden, she says that she's got a three bedroom, two bathrooms and a toilet downstairs. Well, that's exactly the same as I've got, a blue bay. Yes. And it's got the nice courtyard that she's got. Um, look, I think, and someone, and she said it's got low body corporates and it's in a group of 10. You know, someone says, what's a low body corporate? Well, it really depends if it's a 70 year old building and there's a special levy because, you know, we have to replace the roof and it's 200 grand. Well, you're going to have to pay for that. Yeah. But if they're newer buildings and, you know, the only body corporates we've really got, you know, and it's all self-managed is the insurance and the common area gut, like front lawn. Yeah. So, so are yours, is yours Torrance title in Blue Bay or Strata title? No, Strata. Yeah. Okay. So in, in the masterclass around the country, I'll also be talking about Torrance title townhouses versus Strata title as well, which is, can be quite a, a difference. Yeah, cool. Is. So just on that, like if I've got a Torrance title townhouse and it's a common roof line and there's a bit of tin, I've walked on the bit of tin or something or there's a leak on my roof, I've got to pay for that because it's above my head. Yes. And then if it's in between both of them, well, we have to go, well, it's 50-50. Yeah, well- Generally, there's no in between. Like there's a there's a firewall, so it's got to be that's staying right. on but the firewall if it's going to be in between. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But that's what we're saying. Yeah. Like it's literally if it's on your side above yours, yeah. you're responsible for that's it. Right. Yeah. But you've still got considerations. Like if you want to paint it, well, if you want your front of your home purple, and your neighbour whose torrents doesn't want to take it from the beige, yeah. like you've still got some physical lifestyle considerations that do you want to piss off your neighbor or yeah. do you want to live happily ever after? Totally. And, and a lot of this is common sense, isn't it, as well? So, yeah. yeah, you've got to factor all that in. Okay, let's finish up with some pros to the townhouse. I've written down some. I'll just smash through them. Um, maintenance is low. Like little yard, had the mole guy come in, mow it, 20 bucks, he would hedge it, he'd clean up. I didn't own a mower. I would do some superficial gardening myself. I had my little garden out the back and my pots and, you know, I might weed the lawn, but I didn't mow it. Um, so that the maintenance was really, really good. Uh, the entry price, you know, we know that it's, it's going to be less than a, a home, a freehold home. I think the pros are they're good for first home buyers. They're good for young couples or downsizers. It could be good for possible security if you're in a bit of a bigger complex and there's a gate. So, but having said that, ours doesn't have a gate. Um, and I did get broken into while I was overseas once, but I left the door unlocked. So there's that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know that China trip that I pay for you to come on, John? Yeah. It was very expensive in the I end. I was meant to lock the door before I left, was I? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was very kind of you, actually, that trip. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was, Shanghai. Mm. Um, yeah, so and, uh, you finished? Oh, yeah, and then the last pro, um, topical, it could be a smaller percentage of land tax if you take that 
route with a government. Mm. Yes. So if you buy that townhouse over six fifty, first home owner, go the stamp the land tax route, not the stamp duty. We know that, you know, if there was a block of four, your land tax is a fourth of the total. So, you know, it's um it is horses for courses. And I think this type of stuff, you don't have to overcook it. As a first home buyer, you know, it's it's daunting because you haven't done it before. But remember, I was going to buy one on, I was going to say your street name, but I won't do that, um, on your street before this one. And it was it's the old one at the crest up there on the left yeah. on your side. I was going to buy that, but that was like a 60s build. It was pretty solid, but I had my cousin who's a builder rock around and he goes, mate, at some point that whole roof needs to be redone. So... The old, like anything, the older you buy, the more risk of maintenance. Just as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. human beings included. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that you pretty much ticked off on a lot of the positives. The the, the big one might be for someone older that they've got a, a a sense of community and safety, and you may have mentioned that a little bit, but but being in that group feel. Um, I think is a is a big one. Maybe as you get older, that can also be a negative if you've got shitty neighbours. But um, yeah, it can be a can be a comfort thing. Um, and the low maintenance, upkeep on uh, backyards and whatever else. So mm. yeah, but how's this? One of the tenants I had in at the other property, the owner at the front called me one day, and they're like, they drived in with a van. And there was white paint dripping out of the van and they've driven off and just left it. Clearly you've seen it and they've been home since and have just left it. It's like, what, what type of grub are these people? Yeah. I think it was the same people who said they didn't have pets. And then when <laughs> they moved in, the plumber called me, he goes, oh, do you know they've got like cats? I'm like... Well, they've been there a week and they said they don't have pets and they told the plumber that they were minding the cats for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, and to be honest, I don't heaps care. Like one of my properties, they own a pet and I, I, as far as I'm concerned as a, 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 a property owner with tenants, if you want to have a pet, that's fine. Yeah. If it wrecks it, the place, you'll just have to pay That's for right. it. Pretty simple. And some like, kids can I, be dirtier than pets. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I don't really care about pets. Mm. No, that's fair. Oh, that's a good chat about townhouses, but um, mm. yeah, pros and cons of any decision and just our opinion today, isn't it? Well, they're, and they're exactly worth what you paid for them out there. Mm. Um, but I will I buy... Another townhouse, probably not, only because that's more of a a diversification investment play. Yeah, but I reiterate what I said earlier. As an ageing population in Australia, if you're looking financially, if you're going to buy one uh, and it, it is two-storey, we want a bedroom downstairs, folks. Yep, I love it. All right, guys, you've been real. Thanks for hanging out with us. Sorry, we went a bit long today, slash whatever, don't care. If you didn't want to listen, you wouldn't be hearing me apologizing. So there's that. Um, But seriously, guys, get along to our national tour. We are really keen to do this. It almost wasn't going to go ahead. um, But thankfully, our 
good friends at ING and BPay have come along um, to help. And like full disclosure, like each individual city actually runs at a loss because to to spend, you know, seven and a half, eight grand just on the venue hire and some food plus the PA, like you do the maths, you see how much we're charging for tickets. And because John likes to fly business class everywhere. <laughs> I was just about to say, like, <laughs> your seven-star restaurants and accommodation that you don't. No, 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 we're, we're reasonable. Um, so no, honestly, we have the best time doing these shows and the live shows and meeting all of you. Yeah, I love it. Because this is a community-led, uh, user-generated content podcast. We're just here facilitating. And that's why I'd like to reiterate anything that we say that you don't agree with, that's totally fine. We're not here to convince you to anything. This is just our view of the world. And, and that's why we get a lot of different variety of guests on and different voices. So... Yeah, it's, um, it's been great. I always go into these thank you tirades like it's our last ever episode you because do. I'm just so thankful. Yeah, you are. Um, grateful. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. good. All right, I'm going to go get a, um, a turkey sub, I think. <laughs> Might go over to Katara. You go do Lunchtime. That. I will, John. Right. Thanks, guys. All right, see ya. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.